So, okay, this eighth day. You might be wondering about that eighth day. Some people say, well, it's eight days because you have Passover and then the seven feasts of unleavened bread. That's not the right answer, okay? Because, now sometimes we get confused on this, and I I don't want to dwell on it, and I'll just say it, and you can um, be confused. No, you you can think about it. That Passover, our celebration from, from ancient times to not just our celebration, the celebration of Passover begins at the very end of the 14th of Nisan, not the beginning of it, the end of it. So you know how Jewish days go. They begin at night. So the end of the 14th is the beginning of the 15th. So, liter- so literally, when we're having the Seder, when the sun goes down, it's the beginning of the seven days of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Okay? And it is interesting because read, uh, I won't turn there, but I believe it's in the 21st chapter of Luke, I think. The 21st chapter of Luke at the beginning, uh, Marcy will correct me if I'm wrong, uh, yes, <laughs> yeah. uh, that it says Passover, also known as the Feast of Unleavened Bread, right there in the Brit Chadashah scriptures, the New Covenant scriptures, okay? So how do we get eight days then? Well, we get eight days for the very same reason that we get two days for Rosh Hashanah, right? And two days for Shavuot, right? Why is that? Because somewhere along the way, I, I probably, uh, I would say, in the, around a thousand years ago, maybe, maybe more than that. Uh, may, maybe it was during the time of the, uh, the, 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 uh, mid, the Mishnah and the formation of the Talmud, that if you lived outside of Israel, you needed to make sure you got the right day. And so an extra day was added to a number of holidays to make sure we got the right day. That's how we get eight days. So now you may be saying, but so, wait, wait a minute, so if it's not in the Bible, how come we're, uh, we have uh, eight days here at Beth Messiah? Because we live in the Jewish community, and uh, we uh, uh, living within the, the, the Jewish community, we adhere to the traditions of our people. Now you might say, well, what about all the traditions? Well, okay, well, uh, when it comes to the days, when it comes to holidays, Jewish holidays, uh, it is a wonderful and powerful testimony that we live within the, the, we're good citizens in the Jewish community, you know, because I notice some of my good friends uh, on uh, Facebook, for example, that's where we meet all our good friends these days, some of our, some of my good friends in other cities make a big deal out of, you know, last night, look at me, I'm eating I'm eating bread because the holiday's really over. There's no eighth day. And, and I get it. I, I understand it. I, I, uh, but I, we uh, live within the, the, Jewish, uh, the Jewish tradition. So that's the reason why uh, eight days. Okay? It's just part of us as a people, a part of the peoplehood of, uh, of, uh, of Israel. Okay? So like in Israel... In Israel Passover always, always ends the day before it ends here, right? Uh, so last night, uh, uh, Passover uh, ended in, uh, in Israel. And so uh, if we were in Israel, we'd be done. See? There you go. All right. Uh, and don't we just wish we were in Israel? Okay. Uh, anyway, so what's interesting is this eighth day has great significance, to uh, the uh, in the in the Hasidic Jewish community, 
in the uh, in the what we call today the ultra orthodox Jewish uh, community, uh, uh, and it has a, a, a very interesting messianic, uh, very very interesting messianic meaning. So the eighth day, uh, according to uh, the uh, uh, specifically a Chabad, okay. Uh, Chabad is not just an organization, it really is a, uh, a way of life and thinking, okay? And we usually refer to it as the, uh, the ultra-Orthodox. So in a nutshell, I, and this is, I'm actually going to read, I'm going to read something. First, I have to introduce it, and then I'll, then I'll read it. Okay. You know, if you were at our Seder, remember how we said that, uh, you know, the, uh, even in the Haggadah, that there is a messianic uh, vision in the Haggadah. There's a messianic vision uh, in Judaism to Passover. That Passover is looking forward to the, the final redemption, right? You have the exodus out of Egypt and then a final exodus, the re, you know, the redemption out of Egypt and a final redemption, right? And that's why at the end we look for Elijah because now we have re-experienced our redemption from Egypt and now we look forward to the final redemption, right? So that, that's not something uh, we Messianic Jews made up, right? That's, that's in, in, in Judaism. Well, so according to uh, uh, Chabad, this eighth day uh, has, uh, has great, great meaning. The eighth day looks forward to that day when the uh, branch will come out of the stump of Jesse, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, the Messianic king will dwell in our midst. And he's going to dwell in a real world, in a real transformed world. And so the eighth day is a real day, not like a spiritual extra day, but like a real extra day, you know, in, in, in this real world. And to commemorate that, I've mentioned this before, but since it's only once a year, I'm sure you don't remember, right? Uh, and that is that there is uh, a meal. And, and this is not in the, this is not like throughout the entire Jewish community, but Chabad does this, and the ultra-Orthodox do this, and maybe others as well, I don't know. But it's called the Sudat Moshiach, or um, the Messiah's Meal. And it's a dinner that would take place today, today, uh, uh, probably at the, uh, toward the very end of uh, Shabbat. There's usually the third meal. Uh, I don't know how it would work with today being Shabbat. I, I, I don't know. But uh, so this meal does not have a uh, Haggadah, uh, but you can look it up. It's amazing what, what we read about it, that you're supposed to have matzah and you're supposed to have wine, okay? Uh, and by eating the, 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 the matzah and drinking the wine, we are being reminded that uh, when the Messiah comes, it will be a real, uh, a, a, a real physical event. And, uh, and our relationship with God is, uh, has this uh, physicality uh, uh, to it. Okay? So let me just read, uh, read something. I, I got it. The Mashiach meal. What does it mean? Following a tradition instituted by the Baal Shem Tov. Baal Shem Tov is the uh, founder of, he had a real name. But it, the, uh, it, it means uh, the, the man with a good name, okay? Baal Shem Tov. Uh, and uh, uh, he was the founder of the, uh, of the Chabad movement, of uh, Chassidim, not Chab 
Chabad is an organization, but uh, the founder of the Hasidim. Now, let me just say something about them. They were uh, outcasts uh, and considered like crazy Jews, uh, you know, in the 1700s. They were mystical. The Baal Shem Tov, he had these experiences with God and, and uh, you know, and, and so on. Uh, and very emotional in expression and very, very interesting. You know, very, very, very interesting. Okay. Uh, so it says, following a tradition instituted by the Baal Shem Tov, Jews all over the world celebrate the waning hours of Passover with Mashiach's meal, a feast celebrating the divine revelation yet to come. Why do we celebrate this meal? On the last day of Passover, we read verses from the book of Isaiah as the Haftorah. This reading includes many wondrous prophecies. Wondrous. That's pretty interesting. Anyway, wondrous prophecies about the era of the Moshiach. The prophecy foretells of a leader uh, upon whom the spirit of the Lord shall rest. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and heroism, a spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. So, you know, it's interesting you probably have heard of Chabad, right? Well, Chabad is not, doesn't have a meaning as a word. Uh, Chabad is made out of three letters, right? Uh, the first letter of Chochmah, which is wisdom. Bina, which is understanding, right? Uh, and uh, Da'at, which is uh, knowledge. That's how you get Chabad. So, boy, you learn a lot at Beth Messiah, don't you? Okay. Uh, and it comes from Isaiah chapter 11, <laughs> that messianic prophecy about the spirit of the Lord, you know, the spirit of wisdom, right? The spirit of understanding, uh, the spirit of knowledge, as well as other, I just picked out those three. But that's, uh, it's right in, that, right in that passage. So it says, in addition to bringing peace to mankind, the new peace and godly understanding will extend to all of God's creatures. And a wolf will live with a lamb, the leopard shall live with a kid, and so on. So uh, it's very, it says, the Baal Shem Tov, the founder of the Hasidic movement, was the first one to celebrate this meal with an open door, allowing anyone who wished to partake. Uh, and then you have the sixth Lubavitcher Rebbe explained that on the last day of Passover, the radiance of the Moshiach is already shining. Moshiach's meal is held following the afternoon service on the eighth day of Passover. In Israel, where Passover is seven days long, Mashiach's meal is held on the seventh day. The celebration customarily extends past nightfall, ushering out Passover amid song, words of Torah, and inspiration. So, I, so it's very interesting. I think that's fascinating. So the sad, I mean, the, the grievous thing about all that is, is that uh, they're missing Yeshua. You, you know, that's the grievous thing. Uh, they're missing Yeshua. And so, but what it shows us is, uh, this understanding about Passover and how uh, poignant it is how Yeshua made much of Passover and identified himself, the Redeemer, with the Passover lamb as a picture of what he was going to do. You know, it was not at another kind of meal. It was at a Passover Seder where he says, do this in remembrance of me. And as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And so, uh, you know, there's a, uh, there's a man by the name of uh, Alfred Edersheim. How many of you ever heard of Alfred Edersheim? Some of you. Oh, okay. Well, Alfred Edersheim lived in the late 1800s 
and he wrote several different books. Uh, he was a Jewish uh, believer in Messiah. And like people at that time, I don't know if you're aware of it, but in the late 1800s, you know, there was a messianic revival in Europe, okay? messianic revival in Europe. And some of those Jewish people who came to faith at that time were like, uh, they were knowledgeable in the, in the, in the Mishnah, you know, in the Gemara, in, in the Midrash, and, uh, and as believers, strong, uh, strong believers in Yeshua, they recognized how in the Mishnah and in the Gemara and in the rabbinic literature, there was this, you know, they were coming out of the same egg. Like, in other words, they're coming out of the, out of the Torah, coming out of the prophets, coming out of the Tanakh, uh, you know, uh, whatever's in the uh, Talmud that we may disagree with, be that as it may, the literature comes out of people who held dearly the Torah. And so uh, Alfred Edersheim, at the, he wrote this huge work called The Life and Times of Jesus the Messiah. And what he does in there, he takes the Gospels, and, and basically it's like a... You ever, you know, I, sometimes there's like a, a book called The Life of Christ. You know what I mean? It's a, like the, the life, how Yeshua lived, how the Messiah lived in Christian, uh, you know, uh, writings, right? So he did that, but from a point of view of a Jewish Messiah follower. And so he points out in every aspect of Yeshua's life, well, this was because of this holiday, or this was because this was what this this is what was uh, you know going on at that time in Israel, and and so on. So at the end, he, there's a there's an appendix, and the appendix has all these pages of of how verses, messianic verses in the Bible uh, are understood in in all kinds of rabbinic literature. Very very interesting. Very interesting. So uh, I tried to find the quote this morning, but it's, you know, the book is like a thousand something, and I couldn't find the quote, okay? But he says something to the effect of that we're drinking out of the same pool, you know? And, and so as a result, they, they're, like, they're like in the ballpark, you know? Uh, they're, they're like close, but, but they've missed the mark, missed Yeshua. You know, and it, it kind of reminds me of when you read the Gospels and you read about the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all of them, you know, they were not evil people, okay? Uh, many of them, especially the Pharisees, they were the reformers. They were the people trying to get it right. But they missed. They missed. Wow. That should humble all of us, by the way, you know, uh, when we think we've got it all, every bit of it figured out, you know. But... But so the Baal Shem Tov, the, the Hasidim, uh, you know, the Orthodox community, there's a lot to be gained, but, they, but what we have is Yeshua. We have like the answer. And when you read things like, like what I just read, you know, it has to go through your mind. Oh, if only they could uh, hear us without 2,000 years of a misrepresented gospel, we can see how uh, close they are and how, how we are to them. But, but there is, they're looking through a lens of Christianity that contains so, it's like a gigantic onion with so many layers to peel, you know? 
Uh, and, uh, and so it is, uh, you know, it, it is amazing that uh, when, when we share the good news in a way that's really, it is good news for Israel, you know, uh, uh, in an understandable way, we can see uh, how uh, close these folks are when it comes to the desire and the hope, not in an understanding, sadly, of who Yeshua is. And so that's why we've got to get it right in, uh, in our presentation. And that's why we've got to get it right in when we say, you know, here, we, are, we want to demonstrate the Jewish life of Yeshua. What that means is, with as few of, of all those hoops as possible, see? I, and, uh, and that's what we uh, desire, uh, desire to do. So this eighth day is uh, very interesting, and, and I think it is interesting just in the concept of, of looking uh, uh, toward the future. For us, of course, we know that Yeshua, is, he's the one. Yeshua is the one, you know? And his very essence dwells within us. And uh, we live in two worlds. We live uh, in, the, in a world where uh, the, the future has begun and we look forward to a future day, yet we recognize that, uh, uh, as, as you read uh, in the devotional there, that our citizenship is in heaven, yet we live here, you know, at the very same time. And so it comes down, in a sense, to a worldview of looking forward, of constantly looking forward. You know, that is what our uh, friends here uh, have written about, right? Looking forward. We look forward too. The difference is, is that we have an experiential knowledge of the Messiah, of Yeshua. So we have quite a message uh, to give about Yeshua the Messiah. The, the one, uh, you know, the one who has indeed, uh, has indeed come. So, you know, it's interesting. I was reading the, uh, the beginning of where we left off in, in Genesis, thinking, well, maybe I can, you know, keep going. But I just wanted to mention a little, you know where we're at? We're at the part of Genesis. We're in chapter 24. That's where we'll be next week. Uh, where Abraham has, you know, he's had the mountaintop experience, literally, you know, with, with Isaac, and now Sarah has died, right? Uh, and, you know, we read about the cave, getting the cave. So the very next thing that happens, I'm just going to say it, is, is not, so Abraham retires, uh, you know, and uh, it's all done. No. The next thing is, is his servant goes to uh, the old country to find a wife for Isaac. And Abraham recognizes that the, even though I live in the land, even though I own the cave and the field, and even though I have a lot of children, I, you know, and even though I'm wealthy and, and so God has blessed me, he recognizes that there's a lot more to the promise that's going to go beyond his life. And so the next thing is, I got to get a wife for Isaac because if he doesn't have a wife, the promise is done, you know? He needs a wife so that the uh, promise can move to the next generation. Uh, and, uh, and so this looking forward, Abraham uh, was uh, looking to the future. 
uh, recognizing that there's more to the promise than what he sees. Much like what Randy read from the book of Hebrews in the New Covenant passage today. And even like our Chabad friends say, yes, we have the Seder, it's marvelous, but boy, there's something greater coming, right? Uh, the marvelous thing is for us is we've experienced the presence of the future. And if anybody's going to have a living hope, if anybody's going to be looking to the future, it ought to be us who, uh, whom God has favored that our eyes could be opened to know the Messiah, to know the one whom our people are looking for. That's good news. We need to live in such a way that it demonstrates good news. We need to communicate in such a way that it demonstrates good news, not bad news, you know? Uh, so this whole uh, time for us of uh, looking forward, of counting the Omer, of, uh, you know, of counting each day, again, is this idea of looking forward. Now, Yeshua, after he rose from the dead, he wasn't done. You'd think, he rose from the dead, enough! You know, we could say, Dayenu, right? It would have been enough. But it wasn't. The first thing that he did is he spent 40 days. There were 10 days when they were waiting in the upper room. But for 40 days, he uh, spoke into their lives. And he taught them so that they could move from being disciples to apostles, you might say. You know? Uh, and as it says, I, I don't have time to turn to the text, but in, in the 24th chapter of Luke, in the 44th verse... There it says, he showed them uh, script, the scriptures from the Torah, the prophets, and the Psalms. Which, by the way, if you're taking our writings class, we mentioned last Monday night that it, that's a very important verse because it tells us that the Tanakh was in one piece when Yeshua said that. Because Torah, prophets, and Psalms is Torah, prophets, and writings. Uh, Tanakh. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, uh, and, and so he, he spoke into their lives. He taught them. Why? Because he knew that there was going to be still a long future and that it wasn't over when he was raised from the dead, right? Yeshua also, though, even before he rose from the dead, in, uh, and I'm just going to read a couple of verses because we're going to be out of time. In John chapter 14 at the Seder, he is preparing them. That there's going to be uh, there's going to be uh, a period of time, and so you know he says, "Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in me. Believe all. Uh, you believe in God. Believe also in me." And he goes to say that he's he's going away. You know you know these scriptures. He's going away uh, to prepare a place, right? And they're they're like lost. They're like where, where like. Haifa? What, 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 where? where? Where are you going? You know, can we go too? Right? They, they're really, they, they don't get it. And, and then he uh, goes on to uh, say, uh, off of Thomas's uh, statement, Lord, we don't, how do we know the way? Yeshua says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but, uh, but through me. If you've seen the Father, if you've seen me, you've seen the, the Father. Right? And, uh, and so he goes, he, he speaks uh, about that to encourage them. And then uh, he goes on to say 
that, uh, you know, in verse 12, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to the Father. And then he goes on to talk about, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You can pray, and whatever, you know, what you ask, of course, according to the will of God and, and so on, will be, will be answered. And not only that, but you're not going to be alone, because another helper is coming. Isn't it interesting that it says another helper? Not a helper, but another helper. Very, very important. Uh, because Yeshua himself functioned in that uh, capacity, right? But now, uh, the, the Ruach, uh, again, just as Yeshua, the very essence of God, the, the Ruach, the very essence of God dwells within us and empowers us uh, until we reach that day, you see? And, uh, and, and so as we are, um, as we are reading our, um, our daily um, uh, journey, uh, I like to call it sort of the map, you know, uh, the map for the next 50 days, uh, and as we uh, move forward, uh, how important it is for us to have that kind of worldview. Uh, you know, I'm going to tell you, uh, read uh, today, since we're, you're in Philippians, you know, it would be wise, uh, just in what we're talking about here, to read the third chapter, like the last, specifically the last half of the third, uh, the third chapter, uh, where there's a real emphasis beginning in verse 12, uh, uh, you know, on moving forward, moving forward to the future. Verse 12, Paul says, not that I have already obtained it, like the resurrection of the dead, right? Or have already become perfect, but I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of, right? By Messiah uh, Yeshua. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward for what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Messiah Yeshua. And see, and that's later on in the very same context. He says in verse 24, our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory, by the exertion of the power that he, Yeshua, has even to subject all things to himself. So our worldview needs to be kind of like this, of not resting where we are, but looking forward and living our lives in the context of there's something great coming. That's the vision. We all, you know, as believers in Yeshua, we have vision. We have vision of the future. That's what we call our, our hope or, or, you know, a new heaven and a new earth or the return of the Lord. That's vision. That's living a visionary way of life. Living in a way that you don't see it, but I know it's there. You know, like the way Moses described the sand and horizon out there as a land of milk and honey. So keep going, you know? Uh, and so that, that's what Paul, Rav Shaul, Paul, is, is doing here. That's what Yeshua was saying in uh, John chapter 14. That's what he was teaching the disciples after he rose uh, from the dead. And that is actually what the Baal Shem Tov was 
trying to do. Like, let's look forward to that redemption. But you see, so this is the good news. It's begun. The redemption has begun. You see? The good news is, is not you're going to hell. Okay? The good news uh, is not you lost it and now we have it. The good news is not, no, 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 you're still real important to God and you're included in the church. That is not the good news, okay? <laughs> the, if Jewish, that's not good news, all right? The good news is that the Moshiach has come and his name is Yeshua and he empowers us to live a godly Torah-centered way of life and it's the beginning of that process where now we can have peace with one another, Jews and non-Jews together, you know, one in Messiah and, and all that, and, uh, you know, as depicted uh, in the animal kingdom uh, in our Haftorah portion, you know? And, and we demonstrate that, therefore, by the way we live and conduct ourselves uh, as, uh, as one. You know, my son, uh, uh, Jason, uh, just was in uh, Jordan with a group of Jewish and Palestinian believers, you know, in, uh, in Yeshua. Uh, and they went to this place in southern Jordan, very, very interesting, and had like discussions and, you know, prayed together and tried to understand, uh, you know, different points of view for sure, and, and was really very, very helpful. But I would, I would ask this question, who else in Israel uh, is uh, getting together uh, and having that kind of uh, unity uh, among themselves? What a testimony of, uh, of unity in the uh, Messiah uh, and, uh, how, uh, and how important it is for that to be demonstrated and for us to demonstrate that uh, as well. And so, as we come to the end of, uh, you know, of a Passover, uh, boy, hopefully we're motivated as we're moving forward in our counting the Omer, you know, to keep moving forward in, in our depth of our understanding of God and His Word and the love of the Messiah and what He's done in our lives uh, as we look forward to reaching Shavuot, Sunday, May 20th. <laughs> or Saturday night, May 19th also, okay? Uh, as we uh, come to uh, Shavuot, where we will uh, recognize, wow, you know, uh, what our people are looking forward to, uh, this pouring out of the Ruach has begun. Uh, and so what a great time of year it is for us. And I hope that it has a transformative effect on our thinking and on our way of life. Because Messiah is indeed our Passover sacrifice for us. So let us continue always to celebrate the feast, not with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Let's pray. Lord uh, God, thank you, uh, God, that you, in your, in your faith, in, in your kindness, you have given to our people, a level of understanding. But God, we pray that you would open up eyes and unstop ears 
and soften hearts to recognize that Yeshua is indeed the one, the one whom we've misunderstood, the one who we did not esteem, the one whom we thought is smitten of God and afflicted. Lord, may our people recognize as we have that he was pierced through for our transgression and he took our sins and iniquities upon himself. Oh, Lord, I know that if our people understood the good news according to the scriptures, it would indeed be good news. We thank you, God, that you've opened up our eyes to know Yeshua. And we pray in his name.